Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Nina back with another Toba Health TV Toba Tuesday episode where we highlight exceptional and talented people in our local community that are serving in many capacities to try to improve the health well-being of our community. I am a primary primary specialty care provider, expertise in sickle cell, but I'm also a holistic health provider and a strong advocate for education. And I am so excited that I have a guest that is just a phenomenal person and just so happy that he accepted uh, to come on the show today. I have Mr. Kyrie Bay, um, who his uh, resume is just, I, we could be here for days just reading it, but he is a middle school teacher at McCullough Middle School, but he has so many different areas of expertise, and I consider him like a holistic health practitioner because he is trying to heal our students and provide education in a very culturally appropriate manner, but also to really make sure that the children's emotional health as well as their physical health and their educational needs are met. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Mr. Bay. How are you today? And welcome to Toba Health TV. I am doing excellent and thank you so much. I am uh, honored and privileged to uh, have an opportunity to speak on your show tonight. So uh, I look forward well, to that dialogue. Thank you so much. Um, so I just want to say that um, I'm going to, you know, share a little bit about your background uh, to our viewing audience. But be when I'm putting up the slide, I just want to know, because my father was a teacher and he taught at Howard High School. He was a special ed teacher for many years uh, before DSA. But I always kind of wanted to know, like, what makes you just want to go into serving students and becoming a teacher? What was your calling? It has to be a passion for you. Uh, without a doubt. Now, I wouldn't say as a young man, I was uh, looking to be a teacher. Probably at that time, I was probably a little too cool for school. But uh, <laughs> I met my wife while I was in the military. I was in the Marine Corps, and she was playing Division One basketball. And she's been teaching about 25, 26 years now. But she used to let me come in and do the uh, Black History Month uh, lectures and speeches. And one of the kids came back years later and was like, one of my social studies teachers said that what you said isn't true, and you don't know anything because you didn't go to college to be a teacher. And uh, I was doing a lot of different work in the community, uh, youth centers and all, and decided to go back. My wife was like, you'd be a great teacher. So I went back, got my uh, bachelor's in uh, behavioral science and psychology, and then ended up getting my master's in education K-6. And I just know as a black male, there wasn't a lot of, uh, of us teachers, as teachers, as me growing up, uh, male teachers in general. So I knew that there was something that I could offer as a male teacher, and especially as an African male teacher and experiences because our children uh representation matters yeah uh, what's it about 2014 the population of students in public schools in america in 2014 minority students the brown and the black students are no longer the minority so we have to really start serving that population being that they are an underserved uh, population uh, historically Wow. I, I thank you because I didn't have many African-American male teachers when I was in school. So um, I did have Mr. Nods. He taught me science. He was amazing. He was the best. And I just wish I had more African-American male teachers. So I really thank you for you know being in this profession because it's really a, it, it's a joy. I'm sure and the students appreciate to have you um, uh, as a teacher in your various capacities. But Mr. Bay, um, I just want to dive in a little bit more um, because 
because, um, you know, you just do so many things and you're so involved in so many organizations. And um, in 2021, you were nominated as Colonial School District Teacher of the Year. Um, can you see the slide that I put up, uh, which talks about some of all of your accomplishments? I just want to say that you have backgrounds in behavioral sciences, sciences, but also in education, but you're able to incorporate a lot of uh, very culturally appropriate um, tools to help students like comedic yoga, which I want to talk to you more about, as well as um, physical education and also equity-based trauma and poverty-informed uh, educational models. Can you talk about that? Uh, yes, I think it's a... Um... Like I said, the population of students is, uh, that are not really being represented or served is growing. And with that, uh, many students show up with what I like to call an invisible backpack. And unless you create those relationships with those students, you really don't know what they're coming in that school building with. And as a teacher for the last 12 years, I'd say uh, little. there's a lot of my time spent actually teaching, but there's so much more time spent building relationships, being a positive serve and return agent with students that come from backgrounds where they may not be really uh, really getting that at home, right? So when you step into that classroom, you have to be trauma-informed. You have to be poverty-informed. You have to understand that a lot of these students need social-emotional uh, teaching and nurturing because a lot of times those things were considered soft skills. But since COVID, I mean, it's really uh, – uh, brought those things to the forefront. So you really get into the mental health of these children as they're coming in. So I kind of wanted to teach them some self-regulation skills, self-care skills, and kind of give them a little bit of basics of brain science so they can understand kind of what fight, flight, and freeze is, kind of understanding uh, what they're... And I'll give an example. There's a uh, doctor that um kind of came up with uh, the mindfulness practice there, John Kabat-Zinn. And... Um, uh, many doctors have built off of that model. So I kind of teach mm -hmm. them the brain model. So this is kind of your spine. This is the downstairs part of your brain. And this is your feeling part of your brain, that middle part. And then you have the upstairs brain, which is your thinking brain, right? Uh, the kids are always like, that's your big brain thought. <laughs> so I, I wanted, want them to understand that there's a space between your stimulus, triggers, and then what you do. Do you respond or do you react? Uh, reacting is more of your instincts and emotions. And it doesn't always work well with you. And a lot of times kids don't understand that because they've never been told it. We tell mm -hmm. them to calm down or be easy, and but you've never given them those skills or those tools for their toolbox. So how are they going to navigate those emotions, those tough times? And I want them to start to learn to respond and not react. Responding allows you to reflect for a moment, take a couple breaths to get uh, that oxygen going in that body, get <sighs> reset. And um, I think it's a skill set that are, once they're taught it, they can rely on it. It's almost like a superpower. So I, I think uh, when you put all those things together and then all of a sudden you're meeting them where they're at, culturally responsive teaching, culturally responsive healthcare, uh, culturally responsive uh, uh, mental health uh, examinations, all those type things are really going to help and serve in these communities and all children, to be quite honest, because if you're meeting them where they're at, you're not just showing up with the, the cures or something. You're not asking them, well, what do you need? It comes down to just really meeting them where they're at, creating those relationships and being that positive uh, 
serving return agent. They serve it to you, you positively serve it back. And, and not all the time do they serve you a positive. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> you get a dose of that every day, right? <laughs> I, 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 another educator uh, over the summer uh, had one of the best lines, and I teach I teach it to other teachers when I'm uh, doing uh, our first-year teachers coming in. When a child is deregulated and they say something off to you, a lot of times you need to take a Q-tip. And that Q-tip stands for quit taking it person. Oh, this is I love a that. child who is, their brains aren't fully developed. You're the adult in the situation, and that does not mean big you, uh, big me, little you. It's more about going, I know you're deregulated. Am I going to escalate this, or am I going to give you that off-ramp so that you can regulate yourself, get yourself back together, and bring you back in? It's, it's, it's a thing of uh, restorative justice. Mm -hmm. you know, like um, Some teachers are looking for uh, that pound of flesh, and uh, slowly... They're leaving the profession, and I think we're getting a lot more progressive minds, young minds in there, um, 51, and I know we don't always, uh, as a full group of our generation, aren't are looking too good at the moment, <laughs> but there are, there are some of us out there that do recognize that there are some things that need to be changed. They were broke at best, so let's go ahead and take what's good out of those things and also add on to what the research is showing, what the uh, uh, patient is saying and stop kind of not really taking their truths into account so that you can truly serve them. You know, uh, I think we're moving in that direction. It's moving slowly, but uh, I see education and, and the medical field also kind of really stepping back and losing a lot of that apathy and willful ignorance and, and, and kind of really being empathetic and trying to really help out and really be serve, uh, serving the communities that they're in. Well, I thank you for that and all of the work that you're doing. I want to focus a little bit on African comedic yoga, because one thing is when you were talking about sort of deregulating and resetting your mind when you're escalated or anxious about a particular issue. I know I was never good test takers. I got so anxious all the time. But I'm also thinking about conflict resolution, ways in which, because kids' brains aren't mature um, and sometimes they react instead of thinking about the consequences of their reaction. And I'm thinking as uh, being very mindful and also principles of comedic yoga, perhaps that also kind of helps them in these situations when you really need to take a step back, kind of reset yourself uh, before you take action or, or do something that you may regret or uh, have to <laughs> be suspended or whatever. So can you talk about uh, comedic yoga? Yes. Um, again, my the lens that I look through, uh, I see uh, education as also uh, social justice. And I don't think there's any other uh, way to exude that than to be culturally relevant to the populations that you're serving. So uh, I've always been into yoga, uh, been very into African-American history, world history in general. Uh, as a young child, uh, always was blown away by the uh, megalithic structures around the world. So Egypt was always something that pops into my head. And then as I studied more, I realized the uh, ancient name of Egypt was Kemet. And um, from there was uh, in the conscious community, African community, during my uh, years in the military and outside of the military and really got into Tai Chi, yoga, and mindfulness. Uh, realizing that when I went to Japan, I had a 
Japanese uh, girlfriend who kind of lived with her, her aunt lived with her, because in their culture, you don't throw away your elderly when you first move out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they did Tai Chi in the morning, and I'm like, wow, what is this? So started doing mm-hmm. Wanted to get certified as a yoga instructor, and I, you know what? I want to get an African form of it. I uh, came across a uh, excellent instructor. His name is Yasir Rahotep. He's the founder and creator of uh, Kinetic Skills Yoga. Uh, he's out of Chicago. Uh, I bet you that brother is every bit of 70, 75. And one day when I grow up, I want to be like him. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> the things that he can do, the the uh, the health benefits that you can see from his dedication. Goals. So mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that practice back to my students and I wanted them to see themselves on there. So if you, I wish I had more, uh, some pictures here that I could share with you of uh, my room that the students walk into these rooms and there's people doing yoga from athletes to stars to President Obama to uh, 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 baseball players, mixed martial arts, women's mm-hmm. science, Serena, mm-hmm. Latino, every size and gender uh, doing uh-huh. it. So I wanted them to see themselves and then be involved with it and see that there's someone out there that they could replicate. Uh, like you said, it is a form of self-care. So mm-hmm. people are breathing deeply. I know we spend a lot of time during the day shallow breathing. And when you mm-hmm. shallow breathe, sometimes you can trigger your own uh, sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous systems in different ways, you know, uh, and getting you to really focus in on you. And not everything that's going around you, uh, past ruminating thoughts of the past and the future uh, that sometimes we get caught up in. Uh, Doing yoga and mindfulness and Tai Chi allow you to bring it back to you and really focus on you. And a lot of times our students don't really understand that concept. Uh, They also, uh, I've noticed this over the years, many of them, once they, you know, I mean, some of them are a little too cool for school, especially for middle school. (laughs) I do my books in yoga and all different types of atmospheres. Elementary is kind of easy because it's kind of fun to them. Mm-hmm. High school kids are starting to get that slight uh, adult mindset where they're going, hey, wait a minute, I do notice I want some things that make me feel good. And this is free and easy. Uh, middle school, eh, they're a little, they're a little, t- I heard, I call it hurting kids. <laughs> <laughs> Every day I go in there and uh, for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, we do a restorative circle. So every time they come into my class, first thing they do is we sit in a circle. I have about 20 kids each day, 20 to 25. Uh, we sit in the circle. Uh, we have a talking piece that we pass around. I give them a couple questions to go along with what the theme is. Uh, from there, we might uh, do some type of Tai Chi te- uh, chair Tai Chi with uh, I have bowls, and they're doing the bowls and, mm-hmm. and kind of get, get them moving. Uh, then from there, we get into a mindful moment where I do about a three to five minute meditation with them. Uh, from there, uh, as the year goes on and I get a little bit, I get them comfortable, I also run a planetarium. So I take them down to the planetarium and we do uh, mindfulness or a mindful body scan under the stars at the planetarium. And then from there, I move them into uh, doing basic comedic yoga, which is uh, one of the moves that I teach them is the Maya Ka, which is a, a longer sequence um, movement-based version of the sun salutation is also something else that we do and I add that to the Maya Ka. Um, I'd say over the years, different students as they've gotten to high school have been uh, very receptive of many will come back like, hey, your little stupid breathing techniques actually work. And I'm like, whatever, however it works, I'm just glad that they, um, they've been exposed to it and it's something that they can add to their toolbox and then later on you see some of them uh, actually joining yoga uh, clubs are getting certified themselves. That's what I'm waiting to see what my students do next is she's really uh, 
she's really adamant about I'm, this is something that I want to do. Like, I'm glad that you are uh, seeing the benefits of it because a lot of these brown and black population do not see themselves as uh, in those fields, or not even in those fields, realizing the health benefits of that. And um, I'm glad to hear you talk. And I'm going to also say, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to say that probably they're more focused and relaxed and more engaged in learning once they do the exercises. So kind of resets them because, you know, I'm sure they come in like, woohoo, you're like, okay, let's sit, let's, you know, do our mindfulness exercise, let's do our yoga. And I think it's really uh, impressive that you're, you're using these techniques in your uh, classroom instruction. And I'm sure, I'm sure that these students will take all of your tools and tips and use them in their everyday lives once they leave your classrooms. So I, I can imagine that it makes for a better experience as far as teaching them, um, you know, once you get them in that routine of, of, of doing these um, exercises as part of their, you know, educational uh, instruction. I've actually uh, trained for the last, uh, the pandemic kind of threw uh, some of that off, but all our first and second year teachers, I actually run them through a uh, mindfulness uh, training so they can actually implement that into the beginning of their uh, classes. Uh, we have a new teacher this year that has now uh, implemented a mindful moment. Because it kind of, like you said, it settles the kids, uh, allows the teacher to settle also, because if you're dysregulated, deregulated, then the student's going to be deregulated also. So if you're quick to re react instead of respond, and a lot of times taking those uh, few moments to uh, take those deep breaths and get back into your uh, sympathetic or your parasympathetic part of your nervous system and kind of get back and activate that vagus nerve so that you can really kind of settle in. It allows um, you to exude that calmness that the students actually see. I've had many students go, I've, I've rarely seen you flip your lid or, or really, I'm like, uh, I think it's something that you learn and you build that muscle. Um, and then as you build that muscle, it makes it a lot easier to, once you understand what your triggers are, and you take that Q-tip and stop yeah, taking it personal. And <laughs> this child is showing up with something way bigger than what your subject is or what the standard is that day. Because what you're trying to teach that day isn't that important to a child that their whole world is whatever's going on in that moment. And when you do not uh, respect that and dismiss it, then you've already, that's where you lose them from the giddy-up. Especially these generations, they are not... Uh, Think times are, are different, and you know, I mean, I, I can remember being that teacher who was like, "Well, they're gonna. This is what how I did when I was in this, that, and the third, But that is not uh, being culturally responsive. That is not being trauma informed. That is not. That, that is you being stuck in an old way. And uh, you know, I'm sure you've been in the medical field for a long time. The way that it was before is not the way that it is today. And yeah, you're willing to adapt and. And really uh, be progressive in your uh, to be a teacher. No, I, I, a lot of students, I tell them, I'm like, as much as I said, you call me a teacher, or we're called teachers. I'm a student first, and every day I'm coming in here trying to learn something new. Because if not, you're being left behind. The train's going to go, and <laughs> you're stuck in the station. So always staying a student. Thank you so much for that. And I'm sure that, like you said, as even as a healthcare provider, we have to adapt with the times. You have to be progressive because things have changed so much, you know, for COVID, uh, during COVID, and even the way in which we care for our patients um, is much different now. So, and I always, I think it's important that we continue to learn and, and try to improve the way in which we deliver our care to our patients. And in your case, how we educate our students in, in innovative ways in which we can engage them. So I agree with you with that. 
Um, so you know that I, I, I take care of individuals with sickle cell and chronic medical conditions, and I am a strong advocate for ensuring that children, especially students with disabilities, and even those in college, really have an opportunity to have a good educational experience. And um, so part of that, I, I've actually been to schools um, when raising my own um, nieces and nephews. I had to go into the class. I've had to do visits with teachers, went to the school, you know. <laughs> hey, they knew me by my first name. Here he comes again. Um, and I and I would admit that I was probably like a helicopter parent, the the one that that they hate to see me. But I think it's important uh, that parents know that it's okay to be a helicopter parent. And especially if your child is having educational or school issues or struggling academically, that they have to be their child's best advocate. And it's okay. So, uh, Mr. Bay, can we talk about some of these things here that I've shared on my Choba tips? So, I always say you got to invest in your child's education. It's okay to meet with the teacher. It's okay to set up a meeting with the school guidance counselor, although they hated to see me coming. I was there. Um, if your child is struggling, you can request an IEP and a 504B plan, but it's also important that they get a yearly school physical and check up because there can be some underlying medical issues that they're dealing with. And also, maybe if they can't see the board, you know, they need glasses, you know, that's always an easy fix as well. Um, and also, I, and I'm sure you know as well, that even teenagers, they need eight to 10 hours of sleep, you know, to really be as at their best during the school day. And I know, um, you know, getting up earlier, if they have to take the bus and they're getting a bed at nine and they're on their iPhone or iPad then perhaps, too, you know, some of those basic things that we can do as parents to really make sure that they're, you know, prepared for school and, and can be an attentive is important. But you do so much as far as advocating and educating teachers and your work um, has, you know, you've been awarded even in 2020, the Lieutenant Governor's Challenge Wellness Leadership Award. But as a parent and a teacher, can you just talk about some of these, um, you know, tips, you know, for parents? who may have a child that is struggling academically and needs help. Yes, I can definitely uh, give some feedback in this area here, uh, not only being an educator, but also a parent of a child with a disability. My uh, youngest son, I have two sons, one's 23, about to graduate from Dell State. And All right. <laughs> yeah, go Hornets. <laughs> and uh, my youngest, who's about to graduate from uh, High school this year from Colonial William Penn, and uh, mm. actually heading to Dell State next year. Great. A major uh, uh, step for him being that he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes about a year and a half ago at the end of the uh, school year after going through a uh, pandemic and about to go back into regular school. So that really hit our family uh, hard that year, about a year and a half ago. So I'd say definitely invest in your child's education even before uh, his uh, diagnosis. Uh, he he wasn't our most academic child. He was our more outgoing. Uh, he was our, He was our more athletic child, and uh -huh. a, a social butterfly. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> investing in his education, uh, you have to stay on them, and I say that from both lenses as a teacher and a parent. Uh, I mm -hmm. that especially in middle school, it's easy to lose them. So make sure that you are really there, checking those. Uh, today, everything's digital. Your child's mm -hmm. grades and everything you can access. So what? You want to see, 
make sure you contact your district, your school, your principal, guidance counselors, child psychologists, uh, you name it. Make sure that they know your name like you were saying. Because <laughs> if you do not, your child can easily fall into the cracks because there's some students in there that are very high needs and, and kind of dominate different things. And then you have also, these are strangers sometimes who are coming in who may not know your child that well, just getting to know them that year, maybe only has them for one marking period. So you don't know what the circumstances that your child's walking into. So making sure that you're invested in their education is uh, primary. Second would be the IEPs and the uh, 504s. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they are actually doing the due diligence about those. Well, once you have those set, there are laws. There are all types of things that are there to protect you and serve you and make sure that your child is receiving the services that they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. Especially with the classroom sizes and the teacher shortage, your child, again, make sure that they are uh, that you're their biggest advocate when it comes to those. Uh, I say this all the time, meet the teachers. Sometimes the teachers are, are not always, um, I don't think it's a skill set that's taught in college or teacher prep. Mm -hmm. Communication between the family and community. And also realize that just because your family is one way doesn't mean that your students are living that same life. Be very mm -hmm. cautious on expecting it to be mom and dad. Uh, sometimes you're going to be talking to a guardian. That guardian might mm -hmm. be a grandparent or an aunt or uncle or an older sibling. So uh, make sure that you are establishing that relationship with whoever that uh, child's trusted adult is in their life. Um, yearly school physicals, without a doubt. Again, my child, my son is a type one diabetic, so we are uh, always going to be endo every three months. You know, I mean, making sure everything is uh, going well. Uh, also, remember that a lot of the public schools in Delaware are receiving money services where you can contact your nurse and find out that there's a time of year when they are in there doing free eye care. There's days during the year where they are coming in there and they're doing free dental care. There's days when they come in there and they're checking their spines. All those things are available. Make sure that you uh, reach out to your school nurse. Uh, some schools are now having um, wellness centers. Uh, I know in our district in Colonial, uh, Newmars and um, <clears throat> Christiana Health are uh, the ones that are in our facilities. I think we used to have a uh, healthy life, life uh, what is it, health life center. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, my son is interning with them now. They used to be part of Colonial. I believe they're still in Christina and maybe Brandywine. So mm -hmm. you reach out to those. Your children can go in there and get the COVID shot. Uh, um, uh, matter of fact, if I'm correct, I believe parents and siblings are also able to go to some of those health and wellness uh, spots like in Colonial. Uh, uh, and I, I know Christina School District is also offering those services. So those are things that are definitely available. Uh, like I said, my son is a type 1 diabetic, so we constantly are in touch with uh, the nurse, also the cafeteria, because he has a specific diet. And with that 504, they must meet those. Uh, I'm, we're about to send him to college, so now we're going to see how those services go there. I know they have groups that help them um, kind of uh, get the groove of being away from home and living on their own, living on their own at college. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and getting those services and knowing that they have uh, um, people there that are dealing with the same disability and also that there's services there for them. Um, i trying to think of what your last one was. It was uh, 
Oh, let me put my slide back up. Yeah. And also, I, I just wanted to share that, um, you know, even when your child goes to college, there's the Center for Disability Services. So their 504 um, plan, 5014 plan can follow them as well and be updated. Yes. That's very uh, reassuring, especially when you're, uh, I mean, you know, at different times, parents and families are uh, dealing with these disabilities that I mean, maybe from birth and then maybe later on in our case. So uh, depending on how much information you may have or lack of information, to make sure that you uh, reach out to the different resources that are out there so that you can uh, help, uh, you can best serve and, and take care of your loved ones or child. Uh, definitely with the uh, joining, uh, uh, getting involved. So Yes. Uh, <laughs> for me, uh, again, my, both my sons actually went to the district that I'm a teacher in. So uh, they really can't get away with anything. And I'm always available to figure out what's going on. And uh, he's a little, since my oldest is about to graduate, my youngest is about to go to Bell State. Uh, I do a lot of uh, different things at Bell State over the years. And we'll probably be adjuncting professor next year uh, there. So my son's like, Man, you follow me <laughs> until once by now you go to college too. Yeah, don't think you're gonna act up down here. I know where you are. That's right. <laughs> Dad. Uh, one of my nephews is already there. He's like, I'm gonna come hang out in your class. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> but um yeah, definitely stay involved. There's so many um so many resources at the schools these days. Like I said, it's not just teacher and the nurse and the guidance counselor and the principal. Now these days, we are really bringing in the community resources, uh, community grassroots resources at that, and also the community uh, to school outreach. So you're reaching out to the uh, girls and boys club. You're reaching out to the police athletic leagues and getting those students and teachers involved both ways so that these students see them in the community. And also in the same way with that, you are. Uh, there's so many different ways that you can get involved because uh, I think it almost is like a voting issue, right? So everybody makes a big deal about voting for a president. But to be quite honest, if you're not voting locally or getting involved locally, you are really not involved. You make voting much more difference on the ground. Yeah. yeah. guys that come around every four years, uh, that's important to an extent. But if you are not and you don't know who you're you don't know who the superintendent is of your school, you don't know who your all the vice principals are, who your um uh, the HR person at your child's uh, uh, school district. You need to know mm -hmm. who's on the school board. You need to know who's on the, uh, the even the union. I mean, you want to know information about, well, what's the teachers getting? You need to be involved so that you can actually really be a, a, a informed stakeholder when it comes to your child. And also, once your children leave, like, uh, no, uh, I have both my children are leaving the uh, public school realm and heading to college. But uh, even if I wasn't a teacher, I tell family members and friends, it still matters what goes on in your community when it comes to these kids. And don't forget that anytime you're not there to back the upliftment of these children, it's going to come back to bite you later because you're still in that community and that community is growing and it's growing through the children that are in your community. Right. So you're not invested in them, it's going to come back to bite you later too. So right. uh, I, I think it's something where running for office and serving on the school board and being part of PTA, show up to the school with your expertise. If there's something that you're really involved in or something that you love, bring it to the school, create a club, show up there. These students need these positive servants or uh, agents from the community. And also it allows you a window, a view into what's going on in your child's life. 
Yeah, I don't think you couldn't have summed it up better. And, you know, you know, your children are graduating, you still need to be involved because even like referendums um, that are need to be passed because they need more resources, um, you know, for the school. I mean, even as a community, you know, it's very important that we, we make our, our voices known and heard. So voting, you know, even for school board elections, you know, people don't realize that's very important, you know, as a educator and a health educator and a musician. And you know, wanting to make sure that children have opportunities to take music classes and, and arts. I mean, that's very important in their, you know, getting an overall, you know, a well-rounded educational experience that matters. Yeah. And it matters because they're going to be in your community one day. So right. it's important that as a community, even as your, your kids minds are grown, you still have to be involved and, and try it as best as you can. Yeah. So I think we could probably talk for hours and I'm yeah. just sure there's so much more that you could share with the community. But I just want to... Um, ask you some last minute thoughts. I mean, you know, we're going into 2023. You have so many skill sets, you know, your trauma informed certified teacher, you're a yoga instructor, you're a wellness educator, you've been 2021 colonial school district teacher of the year. Let's maybe you're going to be in 2023, the Delaware state teacher of the year. I'll push for it. What are your, some of your goals that you have? And what would you like to learn more of before we close it out? Well, like I said, I'm always a, um, I'm a student first. I'm a, I'm a uh, definite book worm, uh, bookworm. And now that you can get the audio books and all that, I'm eating books <laughs> left and right. So uh, at the moment, I'm about to uh, start. Uh, one of the other subjects that I teach is Teacher Academy. It's a teacher prep program. Uh, Public schools are competing with vocational schools and charter schools. So uh, my district offers some of the different things from culinary to, you know, mechanics, carpentry, different things and such. Uh, Med Lab, which is like a EMT training course. So they leave uh, with a phlebotomy, uh, uh, EKG, wow. CPR. My son actually graduated with all of those. He could have been an EMT when he first came out. Oh, wonderful. One of the things we also offer is teacher prep programs for students that want to be teachers. And the thought is, is... Uh, there's a teacher shortage. So where are you getting these teachers from? Well, they're right in front of you. And many of these marginalized students, that's not something that they hear. They don't look at education as being something that they see themselves in or they want to do. So uh, our middle schools kind of mimic what our high schools are offering. And uh, my school is the STEAM, STEM school, because they take the arts out and they don't say STEAM. Which mm -hmm. is <laughs> uh, uh, thing for STEM was actually the arts would want to kick that whole thing off. So it's a dis. I think it's a little bit of disrespect. I'm not even an art teacher, but when they don't say steam, they always say STEM. Uh, with that being said, uh, I'm going to pilot. Well, last year I kind of piloted the teacher prep program for middle school, and uh, for sixth graders this year for my teacher prep, I'm actually going to have them do a uh, almost like their own little ebook. And the ebook is going to be on two individuals so because again, uh, I think uh, education and teaching is kind of a form of activism. You know, I mean, you think of all the different great. Uh, people from the Latinx to the African-American to the Asian to the women's struggles to the LGBT struggles, a lot of them were educators. And uh, I am very fortunate to live in uh, Littleton P. Mitchell's and Jane Mitchell's uh, home. I bought this a couple of years ago. And wow. It was the first uh, first black male teacher to teach white and black students. And Jane Mitchell was the first black nurse in Delaware to serve white and black patients. And uh, there's actually a building named after her on uh, Route 13 at the State Hospital. And then we have the mm -hmm. Mitchell and Littleton P. Mitchell Museum on Market Street in Delaware. 
I have a lot of artifacts. I have uh, like his NAACP presidential badge and a lot of things that were left in his house. Uh, I have, and I'm gonna actually I'm in the process of writing a children's book that highlights those two in the medical community and then in the uh, teaching community. And they were both big time advocates uh, for the uh, uplifting of women's rights, also uh, migrant workers, and also uh, different marginalized populations around uh, Delaware and the surrounding states. Uh, so this year, that's what they're going to do. They're going to kind of write their own. Uh, books in sixth grade to introduce them to how teaching can be uh, a form of activism to uplift your community or uh, families. Uh, and then for my sixth, my seventh and eighth graders, we're actually going to do TED Talks this year. Uh, so they're going to do a TED Talk. They'll turn that in. Uh, I'm going to do a TED Talk this year uh, with them and allow them to uh, post that onto the TED Talk site. And then later they get to use that as a form of part of their resume. So this year I'm going to really uh, step into this uh, uh, teacher academy and really kind of see if we can some more of our students to come back, you know, help serve the communities that they're from. Wow. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Bay. I mean, uh, the future looks great. And I hope you stay in the profession for a long time um, because there's so much that we can learn from you, even as a health healthcare provider um, as well. So I'm so thankful for you to come on Tova Health TV today. I want to know how, uh, is, if, it, if there's a way for those in our community that want to get in touch with you, maybe they want to, you know, learn a little bit about kinetic yoga or, you know, being a trauma-informed educator um, or some of the other initiatives you're involved in. How can they get in touch with you? Yes, yes. All right. So uh, at the side there, that is my uh, school uh, phone number there. I can be reached there. Also, there's my uh, school email. Reach out to me, drop me an email, and I'll get back to you. Uh, also, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, YouTube, if you happen to go on YouTube and you type in DJ Mr. Bay, you'll see some of the work that I do with the students. Uh, I run the uh, Black History Month uh, celebration, the Latino celebration at my school, along with my uh, great teachers. Um, run the planetarium there, and I uh, make it a point to bring the public in, and uh, we, we can set up some type of uh, visit for maybe your uh, students or groups. Um, also, uh, you can look me up. I was on Channel 6 News a couple of years ago at Good Morning Wilmington, and you can see some of the work that I've done there. Uh, did a lot of coaching, so um, kind of uh, coach softball, field hockey, wrestling, because uh, I figured a lot of students, they, you know, I mean, there's a certain amount of hours that uh, students spend at school, or that time is spent doing idle things. So the more that you can put a positive adult in front of them and allow them to uh, be able to have uh, that that uh, staff member or adult that they can ask questions or just model is always a uh, way to keep them out of the out of the mix, out of, especially now. So well, there's there's some of the places that you can uh, reach out to me on. Be glad to collaborate or uh, uh, just share some resources. Yes. Well, thank you so much. We're out of time, and it's been great, and I've learned so much. So I want to thank you as well, Mr. Bay. I want to thank you for coming on Toba Health TV, Toba Tuesday. I want to share with our audience that they can like us on Facebook, as well as Instagram at tobacommunityhealth.org. And also they can donate to our cash app at Dollar Sign Toba Health because it takes a lot of resources to put this together. But we hope that you're getting valuable information that can really help empower you to live your best life. Again, if you want to make a donation, you can go to our cash app. You can also go to PayPal at contact at tobacommunityhealth.org. Make sure you like us on Toba Health TV and subscribe to us on, on our 
uh, newsletter as well as our like us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much, Mr. Bay, for coming on our show today and hope we'll be back again to talk with some more great leaders, uh, really those doing great work in our community. Thank you so much for joining us today.